Our scripture for today is from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. We're going to be doing this particular passage over the next two weeks, so I will read through all of it, um, but then we're only going to really tackle the first half or first two-thirds of it this week, and then we'll come back to it next week. It's an incredible story that I hope that you hear with fresh ears. On that same day, the day of Jesus' resurrection, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, what things? They said to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen vision, a vision of angels who told them he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me and please pray for me. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to celebrate you, to celebrate our risen Messiah, to celebrate the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And as we devote this time to you, I ask that you speak through me in spite of me, that we hear your words in spite of ourselves. Bless all the words of my mouth. Bless the meditations of our hearts. May they be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you alone are our rock. And you alone are our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to talk about the road to Emmaus, and today is about distraction and encounter. The first 
part of this story. And it's an ancient story that they think, they suppose that the gospel writer had written to the early church, the late church or the, or the late first century, the church that was gathering together and trying to understand what all this meant. And Luke gives them a nice template for worship because we all go walking on our road and we encounter Christ and we remember the word and then we sit and have communion together and then we go to re-engage in our mission. What a wonderful template. And we're going to dissect this a bit, but before I begin that, I want to tell a story of when I was a youth pastor. Something that I had received was an image of salvation. And we, if we all expressed what salvation is, what it means, I think we'd all have very different images. And one of the images I find wonderful to wrestle with is that of a prison. And if you can imagine a small prison, maybe a bed, maybe a toilet, maybe a barred door, and you're sitting there. And the meaning of Jesus is that that door has been kicked down. And there sits the open prison. And there you sit in the prison. You have to decide whether you will get up and leave that space. Which you think, well, of course, why wouldn't you? Except that these prison walls, you've known them for so long, they're no longer keeping you in, they're keeping other things out, they're protection, they're comfortable. You know this world, and stepping out beyond this world means you're stepping into a world unknown, that means you're putting yourself at risk, you don't know what might happen. The prison doors for everybody has been kicked down, but not everybody has recognized it and accepted and walked out into the freedom that's been offered to them. So I took a youth group and we piled into a closet and it was a big closet, okay? And we sat down and I asked them, what are your prisons? What are the things that make you not feel free? And they wrote all sorts of wonderful images and sayings and, and thoughts about school and friends and parents and relationships, and they plastered it all over the walls, and we sat and had a worship service in our prison, and then we sang as we emerged from the doors and all that it meant, which meant that you leave all that stuff behind, which is easier said than done. I love that image, and... We are one week removed from Easter, and already the crowds have waned. All the people we saw last week, some didn't come back this week, and you know that happens. Most people in our community, I dare say, have heard the story of the crucified Jesus, of the risen Lord, yet they remain in their prisons. And dare I say, so do some of us. Luke's passage. This takes place the same day as the discovery of the empty tomb. Two disciples, one named Cleopas and the other unnamed, perhaps his wife, perhaps just another disciple, perhaps it's meant to be us. They're walking away from Jerusalem. They have spent the entire gospel of Luke going to Jerusalem and in less than a few hours, they're on their way out. Something spooked them. They're walking away in complete and utter disappointment and sadness and Jesus joins them on their walk but they can't recognize him. They have blinded themselves. And can we blame them? If you're walking along the road, are you looking for someone who has died to be standing next to you? They don't believe that part of the story. Why would they have recognized him? They're talking about the events of the last few days when Jesus asked them what they were discussing and trying to understand and work through about the events. And when Jesus asked them what happened, they stopped in their tracks. And I, it says a lot about the mood. They stopped. 
their faces downcast. And they tell the story of Jesus of Nazareth crucified. They reiterate what Luke has been working to communicate throughout the entire gospel. Three big things. Jesus is a prophet, mighty in word and deed, recognized by God just like Moses. Two, he was rejected by the religious leaders and killed by them through crucifixion. And finally, there was a hope that he would do what Moses had done for Israel and other prophets had done to liberate Israel and restore them as God's people. But he died. Some women from their group reported this empty tomb, and they have already labeled it delusional. And yet they tell the story and change the details. The women said two men told them that he wasn't there, and they turned it into two angels. And I wonder if there's a bit of sarcasm, an expansion of the delusion. They're so far removed from believing, they cannot even help but caricature the story. Now, why were these disciples leaving? All they know is there's an empty tomb. There's no resolution. Us being good Westerners, we want to we see the facts. We want to see the evidence. We want to explore and ask questions. No, not them. As if the nightmare of seeing their rabbi, the prophet, the one they hoped would liberate Israel, wasn't enough watching him die on the cross. Now his body's gone. Who took it? Why? What else are they going to do? Might they come after us as disciples, hiding in a room together? Should they just get out of town and go, cut their losses? Might their expectations have actually hindered them from understanding what was going on? Might ours. Jesus incognito comments on their inability to see, their veiled eyes. And then he comments directly about their hearts. And when they talk about the heart, they're talking about the center of your very intelligence and will. Who you are, what you think, and what you're about. Jesus says, oh, you're slow of heart. He then walks them through all the scriptures. And I don't want to overlook that. We, have, we could pull out a passage from Isaiah and pull out a passage from Zechariah and others. But Jesus walks them through all the scripture. That was a long walk. Amen? That's a joke. Come on. It's a lot of scripture. What he's referring to is the entire Tanakh, the Jewish Torah, the prophets, the writings, Genesis through Psalms and beyond. And he says it all tells the story. You know the story. You don't, you don't see it. God's purposes are always given but are resisted and rejected again and again and again in our Hebrew scriptures. Yes? God's efforts to redeem are always forgotten or overthought. Moses experienced plenty of trouble. Many of the prophets were killed, and if they weren't killed, they were certainly threatened. The Psalms talk about humanity's struggle to grasp and fully be faithful to a God whose steadfast love endures forever. The total redemption of Israel and the opening of the door to all people, all nations, all ethnicities through the promise made to Abraham has been the, the heartbeat of the story from the beginning. But the problem has always been our hearts, and the problem is their hearts. We can follow the law just like Israel did, but that never did Israel much good if they don't have a changed heart. We can worship in the temple and come and do everything perfectly in the sacred space, but if we don't have a changed heart, it's not going to last. It's not going to take us anywhere. Even now, these disciples have walked with Jesus, they've heard him tell of the hope of God's kingdom. 
They've heard Jesus predict of the death and the resurrection, specifically saying, I'm going to go and be rejected and suffer and be killed. And on the third day rise again, they've heard it three times and yet they miss it, which makes me wonder, would I have gotten it? Which makes me wonder, do I see it? I want to think I do, just like they want to think they did. But they were distracted, and so am I. They only knew of the story of Jesus' death. We know that story. But do we stop the story there? Have you ever said to someone, Jesus died for you? Period, end of sentence. They knew that much. A gospel without resurrection leads us away from our mission and calling. Proclaiming a crucified Savior is not a new story. It's not a saving story. The new is the resurrected Savior. That has never happened. It never will happen in any other story other than the story of Jesus. Amen? Okay. Are you awake? All right. There is a space in Israel. I got to visit there last year, and I visited the Golgotha scene and touched the rock that Jesus crossed out upon, and then I walked the long steps through the, the big building, through lots of singing and praising, and sat and kneeled before the tomb that Jesus lay in. And between those two spaces was this beautiful, ornate worship space, and it's called the center of the world. Have you ever heard of this space? The center of the world is where we are called to reside, as the story goes. If we stay too close to crucifixion and only proclaim that part of the story, we miss the life beyond. If we forget the crucifixion and we just talk about the resurrection and the life beyond, we miss the sacrificial element. The center of the world calls us to reside in the middle, to have both parts of the story and to proclaim that witness. It was quite shocking because I've heard the story of Jesus' death again and again and again, but I think we struggle with what it means for Jesus to be resurrected. What we find the gospel writer telling us is that the Hebrew scriptures tell us everything we need to know. I guess the New Testament's just a bonus. My jo- I got to work on my jokes. <sighs> the story of Holy Week in Jerusalem has supplied all that we've longed for and all that had not been yet fully understood for these disciples. They needed the Messiah lens to view the scriptures, but they needed the scriptures to understand the Messiah and somehow God works through this thing and and Jesus walks with them and interprets the scripture for them. The same scripture the chief priests knew, the same scripture the legal experts could quote at you all day long, they had it memorized. Memorized. Think about that. They didn't see it. These disciples had it. They didn't see it. It took... Jesus took the very presence of Jesus to walk them through together. Scripture is not an instruction manual. It's much more. It's a conversation. It's it's an account of the movement of God through history that we find again and again. Moses, the prophets, God doing something great, finding resistance, death, and then life. Rejection and then new birth again and again, and we get to read the story into our lives. Because how many of you here have experienced rejection and death? How many of you have experienced resurrection? And how many of you tell that story?
The belief is that Luke is offering the church this wonderful, proper worship because they are the community of God and we are that new community. The community in the New Testament of Jesus is referred to as the way. Have you heard that term, the way? Another way to translate it that I like better is the road or the journey. People of the journey, people of the road, we are going somewhere. The community needs to spend time together interpreting Scripture. Amen? And when the Scriptures are viewed through the lens of the Messiah, the great love and grace of God revealed fully, we can understand them in ways that bring about the very presence of Christ among us, the resurrected Christ. Amen? And notice that it took two on the road to Emmaus. Notice that Jesus says, when two or three gather in my name, there's something to community that is essential. There's something to community that is essential. When we are together, we encounter the Christ who died and who now lives. You've seen resurrection in your life. And if you're wondering what in the world I'm talking about, have you experienced incredible Unbelievable even moments of doubt, moments of despair or disbelief, moments of a death in life, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a home, the loss of what you thought was, and then somehow miraculously new life emerged and you found yourself in a better space on the other side? Have you found your way free from the things that have imprisoned you? Have we... Sometimes just simply labeled our prisons the will of God. That happens too. Have you not experienced new freedom as your heart grows and changes and, and comes more into the reality of the kingdom here and now? And friends, if we are not a community of freedom, how can we ever get people to leave their cells? If we cannot live freedom with joy and dancing and celebration, why would anyone dare join us? I think we have to remember that as a church. We are all on the Emmaus road of faith. We are all along the way or the journey of Christ. Sometimes we walk in the wrong direction. Oftentimes it's because we're just simply distracted or we misunderstand. So many times it's because our ideas have spent so much time digging their heels into our minds and our hearts that we miss the new thing God is up to. And sometimes when things don't go the way we hoped or anticipated, we hit the road. We do that. When we're called to gather together to wait, to pray, to read, to interpret, to consider what God might be doing, what the Holy Spirit might be leading us towards. The good news is that our God never leaves us stranded. Hallelujah. Our God seeks out those who are lost, even the wandering disciples, even the one sheep from the 99, even those who sit in their empty cell too distracted to realize that freedom is already theirs. Our Jesus enters our journey on the road to guide us if we but make our hearts ready to receive him. Jesus encounters us where we are and then invites us to open our eyes and see. Where have you been distracted? Or another way to say it, what in your life have you been giving most of your attention to? Is it of God and your calling? Have your expectations or fear stolen your gaze? Have they steered your attitude? Do they own your emotions? Have you been so focused on the cross that you've missed the new life emerging all around us? 
Have your hearts been slow to believe? The good news is that Jesus walks with you. Perhaps in the face of a hungry person along the street, perhaps in the voice of a friend who calls to say, are you okay? Perhaps in the vulnerable of our community, the naked, the thirsty, the outcast, perhaps in the kids from the neighborhood back here who come and spend all their time around our building because something about this space is safe to them. It's time for us to hear the story again. It's time for us to read our scripture together, but not to find what we hope to see, but to let what we see become our hope that we might find the freedom that Christ longs to give us. Amen? Amen.